Have you heard of ModestDirect.com yet? If not, let me to be the first to tell you about this modest, stylish, and affordable clothing line. Modest Direct is an online boutique created with you in mind. They want all their customers to feel confident, stylish, and modest, all while saving money in the process because it's doable. You can look all of these different ways without having to break the bank every time you go to a store or you go to an online boutique. This one's unique because they care about you. That's the reason why they have a five-star Google business rating. That's the reason why in the last four years, that's how they've achieved it within that time. Five stars on Google. This business cares about their customers. They have a pledge to you that from the time you place the order online, they will ship it out of their stores within 72 hours. They offer you a flat rate shipping of $7.99 for all of their online orders. When you go to checkout at modestdirect.com, don't forget to put in the promo code CRUCIAL21. It's going to save you 10% off your entire order. What is already affordable just became a little more affordable just because you took the time to listen to the Crucial Conversation podcast. So don't forget, whenever you go to that website, let them know the Crucial Conversation sent you. You can, in the meantime, you can check out what they have by following them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And again, go to their website, modestdirect.com, and use the promo code CRUCIAL21 to save 10%. They also offer a VIP email group. I would make sure to look forward to that because you don't want to miss what kind of new items they're coming out with. But I got a question for you. You just heard us talking about a business, and now you're curious. Well, how do I start my own business? What do I do? I have dreams of things I want to see happen, but I really don't know what my first step is. If that's you, I want to talk about God first living. Have you ever had a dream that you wanted to become a reality? And as you think about it, you're like, if I just had someone to help me in this process. That's exactly what God first living is. Corey Sanders is a successful businessman with over 20 years of experience, and he offers workshops and seminars to educate believers on how to take a passion and turn it into a blessing personally and eternally for the kingdom. Learn how to build a successful business and to be productive and powerful in your local assembly by living a balanced life. Corey Sanders will give you the practical tools back with biblical principles that have allowed him to live in blessing. It's not just inspirational talk, but it's a testimony of a desire to be more in the kingdom and live in the overflow by building a thriving business and a fruitful ministry and a balanced life. For more information, go right now to GodFirstLiving at gmail.com. Also, I want to encourage you to live the movement. The Movement Conference is a conference that's being held at First Apostolic Church in Maryville, Tennessee. We encourage you to go to livethemovement.org so that way you can get registered for this monumental event. I've spoken with pastors that have told their staff members either you're going to this conference or you're no longer going to be serving in the position you're in. That's how important this conference is. There's a lineup of uh, just top-notch speakers, you're going to be encouraged. You don't want to miss it. So I encourage you again, go to livethemovement.org. Make sure you get registered as soon as possible, and we hope to see you at that conference. Hey, guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast.
Today we welcome onto the podcast one of the best children's evangelists that I've ever seen uh, in person, uh, pastoring now in Joplin, Missouri. But still yet, that does not negate the fact that I don't think I have ever laughed. Uh, I was I was a kid the day that I met Nathan Roberts. And uh, I'm going to tell you, if you were a children's evangelist whenever I was a kid, I'm going to tell you right now, I would beg my parents and my pastor, please bring that guy back every chance you get. Uh, we, we were involved with some of the coolest stuff. Uh, Brian, you were there whenever Nathan Roberts came to our church. Man, I remember he did one bit where um, it, it's some magic trick where like you can see kind of like this board that he's holding them. I want to say like there was a frog on it. Yeah. And and like the whole time I was like, okay, I see how he's doing it, you know. And and so like we're watching and he's turning this board and when he turns it one way it disappears. He turns it the other way, there it is. And and like I said, the whole crowd's just like, Okay, I see how it is. And he brings a kid up and the kid's watching and the kid speaks up and goes, Oh, I know how you did that And he's like, All you gotta do is turn the board and we can see where you're moving. I can't remember how the bit went. But whenever Nathan Roberts like, Oh, you think so? And he showed the kid and the entire audience and that I, kid's face, he just went, I, I, because whenever he turned it, where everybody thought, hey, that, that's how you do this trick. Whenever he went to show it to him, it was it showed that it wasn't really that way, where it seemed like he was tipping his hand, but he really I, I, wasn't. I actually give the board. I actually, I actually make the kid take the board away from me. It's, the, it's what I want, you know, for them to take it away because they they know so much, and we're going to take it away. We're going to turn it around and show that the it's this, you know, it's not what you're saying it is, and. uh and so whenever they, you know, you, I look for a smart aleck kid to come up and take it away. And so whenever they, <laughs> and because uh, that's the ones I want to go, gotcha. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, at our church, you have plenty to choose from if that's the case. <laughs> well, my favorite, my absolute favorite thing that he did, Brian, was uh, you had this box, right? And you kept having, you kept saying there was a snake in this box and everybody was oh, so yeah. white, you got tiptoe to this box and, this little kid was kept putting it was like, well, there ain't no snake in this thing. Well, halfway through, he went over across the platform and this snake jumped about 20 feet up in the air. That's when you know you're in an apostolic church right there. <laughs> Snakes in the church, brother. Come on. That's right. That's right. But anyway, folks, you're listening to one of my favorite people out there. Uh, children's evangelist extraordinaire, pastor extraordinaire, does daily devotions, has feel good music Friday. Go check him out on on social media. Dude plays guitar, does anything you can think of. Brother Roberts, thanks so much for sitting down with us and recording with us, and you know just sharing your story with us. I know there's a million things that you could have done uh, other than talk to us, but we we appreciate you coming on today. I'm extremely honored. Thank you very much. So, tell us a little bit how you gotten started um, in this in this whole um aspect of evangelism pastoring um i mean it's very evident and very obvious that um you are very good at your craft and what you do uh but tell us how you got there sure i i uh, i felt called to preach at a you know i'm going to say at a young age and you know around 20 21 years old and uh, i go to my pastor you know and i said i feel called to the ministry feel called to preach. He says, that's fantastic. I'm glad. Uh, I don't doubt it one bit. He said, meet me at the church seven o'clock Saturday morning. I get there Saturday morning, seven o'clock. He gives me a toilet brush and a vacuum cleaner and the keys to the lawnmower, you know? And, uh, and so my, my started ministry was, you know, was, was like, like most young men that, that are, that are, 
wanting to, to work in ministry was uh, working in the church. Uh, and, and so I, I wanted, and, and, you know, I would try to preach and try to do what I could. I'd give devotions on youth night or, or whatever and, and pre- speak and preach and testify. And, uh, and I, would, I would preach every now and then. But uh, along that time, I was working for in a radio station. I, I managed a radio station, and part of what I did for the radio station was I sold radio commercials, and uh, and I I knew a little bit uh, a few magic tricks, card tricks, or whatever, and I used that to my advantage because uh, I'd go in to sell somebody. I don't know if you guys have ever worked in sales or not, but a lot of times they don't want to see a salesman, and so I would walk into a business to talk to them about selling them radio commercials and. We don't want to talk to you. Well, that's all fine and good. Here, pick a card, you know. And if I can make that card appear under uh, this envelope that's sitting on your desk, you know, uh, you know, and I would do stuff like that and use it to my advantage, and uh, and 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 it was great. One night at a Valentine's banquet, I'll never forget this. I was at a Valentine's banquet, and I was the entertainment for the Valentine's banquet. Probably 24, 25 years old, and. Uh, I'd, so I did some magic tricks, just some little simple stuff. And my pastor comes up afterwards. He says, you've got to add that to your to your preaching. I said, my, my, add what? He said, all that comedy and all that magic stuff, you add that to your preaching. I'm like, oh, no, no, brother. That you Because know, when you preach, my God, you got to preach. Hallelujah. you got to bring the fire. But when you do comedy and magic, you, know, you just sort of relax and just do what? He said, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what I want you to do. Uh, and, he, and he told me, he says, Jeff Arnold started out like that. And I said, so you're telling me that if I do comedy and magic, that I'll be as good as Jeff Arnold. He said, oh, no, I'm just telling you. That's how he started out. So so to cut to the chase, I uh, I, I did I preached that that Sunday and did some comedy and magic and then preached. There was a pastor, a visiting pastor that was there. You got to come to my church and do that. And uh, so I'm like, okay. So I went to his church. There was another pastor that you got to go to my church. And so I started getting these calls. Uh, we want you to come preach for us, but you got to do that comedy and that magic. And, uh, and then somebody else would call. We want you to come do a, a, a children's service. We want you to, come, you know, and, and I got a little frustrated because everybody wanted me to come preach for them, but they all wanted the comedy and magic with the preaching. And, uh, and it, it wasn't anything that I planned on happening. It was, it was all a hundred percent God thing. And it just took over and until that my bookings to go out and preach outweighed my time working in a radio station. And, uh, and in 1995, uh, uh, we went full-time into the ministry, uh, a children's ministry, actually. And uh, we've, just, we've never looked back until where we are today. Amen. Okay, I got to ask because you've been throwing out a word that some people treat it like it's a cuss word. You're using oh, yeah. the word magic. You do work yeah. magic, yeah, sir. How, you, how how was how was it getting started doing magic tricks? Whenever that, that's not supposed to be allowed. That's right. It's of the devil. We're all gonna. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I I always open up my presentation, and uh, uh, part of what I do is I'll say, uh, I you know you guys can tell that I'm doing something because I will start doing a magic trick. I would open up with something magical. Uh, you know, make a scarf disappear or something, you know, something like that. Then I'd say, I'm, I'm a licensed preacher. I'm a licensed minister. But there are times that I'm ministering when what you're seeing me do now 
uh, however, everything that I do is just an illusion. It's tricks for the eyes. It's puzzles for the mind. There is no such thing as real magic because the Bible itself teaches against the use of quote-unquote real magic, which is uh, Ouija boards and witchcraft and rebellion and talking back to your mom and dad. And, you know, and that always gets a little laugh. And I go, oh, no, the Bible says that rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft. But, uh, but I, I said, everything that I do has a secret. And any five-year-old could do everything that I do with 10 years worth of practice. And uh, I've never had any, had any problem. With, can, I, can I tell you what happened one time? In, uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, and and it, I, had, I had a call to come preach and do a children's revival in Georgia. And uh, the, the pastor called, asked, asked him to do a, do a children's revival. Yes, sir, I'd love to come do a children's revival. Then he calls back just a few minutes later, and he's like, uh, I heard that you, uh, you and your son, y'all, y'all play guitars and you, and you rap. That's why my son raps. Well, we, we don't like rapping at our church. So, so if you would just, just don't do that. And I, I said, yes, or not a problem. And, uh, I told my boy, I said, we won't do any rapping. Then he calls back a little later and he says, uh, I don't want any magic. I hear you do magic and we just don't do that here. And I said, well, sir, there's, you know, you've knocked out 50% of what we do, I think it'd be best if you just got somebody else. And we agreed, and he agreed, and he got somebody else. Six months later, I'm, uh, I'm in Monroe, Georgia, and uh, had great service that night, and several children getting the Holy Ghost, and this man comes up, whom I've never seen before, just crying and weeping, and uh, and, and he is apologizing. I'm like, bro, what's 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 wrong? I, I you know what's going on? And he said, uh, I'm the guy that called. And told you not to come he said i had no idea what you did he says please come to my church please come do do whatever you want sing rap magic do whatever you want and i said yes sir we'll we'll come and we set up and went and man he had grandchildren children and everything had a great revival and uh i think it's just part of you know if people see what you do th- then it, it makes a difference absolutely yeah so that's that's what uh that's what our pastor preaches at our church that we, um, you know, you know, my mother-in-law, Kim Ramsey, and right. she, her and her husband have always uh, thought outside the box. Exactly. You know, what can we do? What can we do to uh, take ministry outside the four walls church? Mm-hmm. And so they developed street rape, which you've heard on this podcast. Um, and brother Roberts, you know what street rape is. Oh, I've, I've, been in, I've been involved in it. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. Yeah. So they take what that is, is for those who don't know, uh, they take the church outside the four walls of the building and we take it to them. How can we expect visitors to come to our church if we're not willing to visit them in their sanctuaries? Mm-hmm. But that's that's a that's a that's for another time. But anyway, what I'm getting at is you're, you're talking about ministry outside of the box. And, right. uh you know, the church today has to battle with stuff that people and generations before us, you know, what was considered sin, i.e. magic in the church. You know, we as a generation right now are competing against Hollywood for our children. Um, Whenever I have to um, sit down with my daughter and, you know, she's our, my, my daughter's three years old and she already knows uh, you know, all the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme songs. She knows all the character names. She knows absolutely everything there is to know about Disney. I, w- I would fail as a parent. My wife would fail as a parent if we didn't develop that as well in her, but with 
Jesus and with, you know, the Bible and, you know, stories like that, we are competing for our children, whether we want to admit it or not. When we're, we're handing our child and children, you know, iPhones or iPads to sit down and babysit them, um, you know, we're, we're losing them as a generation. And so at all costs, whatever we have to do to get the gospel outside of our church, I, I mean, it's, it's something that our pastor preaches, you know, that is something that's a necessity today because we are battling Hollywood. And I mean, I, I applaud, I applaud you for kind of being the pioneer in that because you know, that even in some churches now, I mean, we, I, I mean, <laughs> we sit when my father-in-law passed away, um, mm -hmm. me and my brother-in-law, we continued to travel with Kim because, you know, she wanted to continue the ministry, but she didn't want to do it by herself. You know, we, same situation you were in, we were at the church, um, uh, let's see, how can I say this it, down South that, um, was, <laughs> yeah. uh, very, very strict. And, uh, the pastor came up to me, put his arm around me and said, look, uh, if you, if you weren't doing kid stuff right now and you were wearing this, you wouldn't be on my platform. You know, I was dressed on nice, but he said I didn't have a white shirt and tie on, you yeah. know, white shirt, you know, wow. it had to be a white shirt, you know, to make it to heaven or whatever. But I mean, that. We've got to be so aware of, um, you know, we are battling for our children. Amen. And what 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 would you say, Brother Roberts, to um, what kind of has been going on during the pandemic? Um, you know, kids not being able to go to church or kids not being able to attend Sunday school. What what's the impact that that's having on our kids? That's that is a major major impact. Number one. Uh, Kids are so impacted uh, not only by hearing, but more visually and hands-on uh, than they are by, by hearing. Uh, you know, you've heard the old adage, you know, you can teach me and I'll learn, but if you, if you show me and involve me, you know, then, then I really, really begin to learn. Uh, and man, when you, when you take them out of the church and you take them away from that uh, uh, children's church, that Sunday school, uh, man, you're just pulling them away from, from everything that, that, uh, that they need to be taught. Uh, we did a, uh, uh, we're, we're not doing it right now, but man, for a long time we did, uh, during COVID, we did, uh, you know, a Kids Quest live, uh, you know, just trying to put something out every week, like you said, to compete with the Hollywoods and the Mickey Mouse and the and whatever, just trying to put something gospel out there. And uh, uh, we did that. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, uh, uh, Tim Rimmer was putting out, some stuff, different, different, uh, children's evangelists were, were putting out different things. Just, man, just trying to, trying to keep the gospel out there in front of, of the kids, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's, that's a, uh, a key thing to do. Uh, our church still, uh, we we're back to, uh, classes on Wednesday nights, but we are not currently doing Sunday school for our kids. Uh, you know, cause we have such a, uh, a, a large amount of you know, kids that would be congregated and all that. You know, we had somebody on, uh, well, that, that's going to be a future guest for us. He was saying it, it's hard to be, well, it's impossible to be apostolic and social distance. Exactly. It's, yeah. It's that is the two doesn't go hand in hand, you know, um, the laying on of hands, it, it's biblical. Social distancing is not biblical. You know, it's its just right. things that we're battling nowadays. But we 
as parents and we as uh, teachers and and we're you know ministry staff we we have to be able to continue because this is this is a thing that the the, the world has never seen before um, mm-hmm. well at least in our generation we don't know how to deal with not being able to live our life as we want it and you know we have to make sure that we're we're rooted you know the right way or else we're just gonna fade man that's right. that's that's just all it is and i'm a prime example of that you know just just this pandemic you know it's it, it is just it's rocked my spirituality i didn't realize how much i depended on others around me to help keep me spiritually and that's that's not that's not right of me i should be a more of a christian than that but if we're all honest with ourselves we're all dealing with that we're yeah, all we, dealing with you know, I need those around me. I need my brothers and my sisters. I need that in my life. It's it's more than a fellowship. You know, people call our, our religion a fellowship. It's more than that. It's 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 a it's a healthy lifestyle. It's a living. Yeah, we, we've had. We, I'm, I know you've had it in your church too. Brand new people. Uh, I call them fringe people that that have just gotten in, and then this pandemic hit, and. Uh, and they're lost. They're going, you know, we, we can't, we have, I've had people in our church that, uh, you know, got in church, prayed through, and then the pandemic hits and, you know, and you're shut down for however long, you know, three, four, five, six weeks. And, it, and it's drug on and on and on. And, uh, and you can't get them back, you know, and it's, it's a really, really sad situation. Yeah, very much so is. So I want to, I want to kind of continue on here. So after you've been evangelizing for, how long did you evangelize for? Uh, almost 25 years. That's a long time, man. (laughs) So, uh, after evangelizing, when did you know and how did you know it was time to transition into pastoralship in Joplin? I I never wanted to to transition. I never, I I was totally 100,000% happy being an evangelist. I love being an evangelist. It's, 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 and it's still my heartbeat, uh, to, to do evangelistic work. And uh, my pastor came to me and he began to talk to me and my wife. He said, God's going to move you into pastoralship. Well, bro, I've, you know, I've been, been, you know, around the world from California to, you know, to North Carolina. I've been in the good churches. I've been in the medium, not so good churches and been in the, you know, and then I've been in those churches that you're like, I'm never coming back here again. And I've seen the things that pastors face and I'm like, I, I love my pastor, but I'm not going to be a pastor. And uh, he'd say, oh, yeah, God's going to call you to pastor. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to pastor. And uh, and then probably after two or three years later, it, it and I know that sounds like a long time, but it's the truth, uh, I begin to feel the change to pastor. And we, you know, we, you know, we put our name out that we would pastor, and we would try out at this church, or some of our church would call us and have, have us to come try out and and be there with them, you know. And there was times we would pull up in the parking lot and go, "Nope, this is this is not where we're supposed to be." And being from Louisiana, uh, you'd understand this, bro. I'm like, man, look at all the great churches there are in Louisiana. I'm gonna, if I'm gonna pastor, I'm gonna get one of these churches in Louisiana. And uh, and of course that didn't happen. And we came through Joplin, Missouri, uh, after a, a general conference just to fill in, just to help out. They didn't have a pastor, and then we just came in and filled in. And then they asked, and this brother, this is small work. Uh, they was probably running 19, 20 people at the time. 
and uh, and then they asked us if we would come be their pastor, try out as pastor. And I'm like, no, I'm I don't want to be a pastor here. I'm uh, no, I, you know, our church runs 200 people. I'm not going to go from 200 to 20. That's just not going to happen. God didn't call me to do that, you know. And uh, and then something happened, and there was a pull, a tug, and I talked to my wife, and I say, do you feel that? And she'd say, I don't feel nothing. I'd say, okay, I'm just making sure. She'd, then she'd say, yeah, I do feel something. And uh, and it was a God thing. It took us about six or seven months to decide for them just to vote on us. And uh, you know, we fleeced God with everything from my pastor and I wearing the same color shirt to uh, I've got to make this amount of money. And uh, if the vote's got to go such and such way until it got to the point to where my wife said, if, if we don't let them vote on us, then uh, we're going to be like Jonah and expect a giant whale to come and take us. And we allowed them to vote. Uh, we did come to Joplin a little over five years ago. We had 19 people. And in just a couple of months, I got that all the way up to 16. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, uh, but we just kept on going for the kingdom, felt that we were called. I still feel beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were called here. I plan on dying here, going to heaven from here. I want to say that. And uh, God has blessed us tremendously. Uh, and I'm going to throw this number out. It's not going to mean anything to people that have big churches. But when you started with 19 people, then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and you drop back down you, and, you, and you're getting your numbers up to 55, 60 people. And man, we're doing something. And then the pandemic hits and you drop down and you're back down to 30, 45 people. And you're like, man, what are we going to do? We're, you know, how can we handle this? And then Easter Sunday, we had 92 people in church. And then, uh, and it's just been, God's just been just keeping it all right there. And uh, I just give God the praise and all the glory because he's the one that's doing it. And I, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad to be along for the ride. I want to ask a question that is, uh, it might be personal. I'm not sure, but during that transition period, what was the kind of the hardest thing that you had to deal with and you had to keep self-checking yourself? Cause, because for me, um, you know, the best way to explain me is I don't like change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a person of habit. Uh, I'm a person of um, pattern. That's a good word for me. Um, my boss, my old boss described me as, um, you know, I'm an old wooden chip that I'll turn, but it takes me forever to turn. Amen. You know, when my counterparts are a speedboat that can turn on a dime. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm very consistent. I believe I'm very consistent. Um, and you know, it, it takes a lot for me to change. And so whenever uh, you're going through this massive, well, I'm doing what I want to do. Now here goes God trying to convince me to do something else that I know I'm not going to be happy at with right away. What, what is, how did you, how did you go through that? How did you, how did you manage to be like, look, this is it. I'll, I'll follow you. Yeah. The, the, the hardest part for me, uh, and and with the Ramseys being your your uh, in-laws, you'll understand this. The hardest part for me was coming off the road, cause I had brother, I had like about a year and a half booked up, uh, uh, you know, like every week, almost every week somewhere. And uh, as as we begin to make that transition, and I told them, I said, there's just some dates that I don't want to cancel. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give up. And uh, and and the church was so kind and so great, and they said, yeah, not a problem, not a problem. And because uh, I've got uh, I've, the, the saying is I've got asphalt in my veins, you know, uh, I was born on the road and, and, I, and I, I loved it and still do like it. But uh, so I would I would preach 
and minister at our church. And then, uh, and then I still had revivals booked, but those, those pastors would allow me, uh, most of them would allow me, you know, to, to just go through Saturday night or Friday night at the worst and be back home on Sunday. And then, uh, then summer hit and all the church camps hit. And of course, you know, you're in Joplin, Missouri, and you've got a church camp in Ohio, which is, uh, eight hours away or, or even further than that. And, uh, they're like, man, we want you to stay and preach for our Sunday. Well, of course, I'll stay and preach for each Sunday because that's what I've always done. And uh, after I did that a couple of Sundays, uh, I had uh, some folks come to me from the church. And they're like, are you going to be a pastor or are you going to be an evangelist? And I'm like, oh, man. And, uh, and, and so the, the really, really hard part was having to tell those people that I'd already been scheduled with, already been booked with, look, I'll come to your church camps but I can't stay for Sunday. I have, I've got to be at my home church on Sunday. And they knew that and they realized that and uh, they were, there was no problem with it. The problem was that, man, I like, I just enjoyed preaching out. And, and, but now, nowadays, uh, there's nowhere I would rather preach than to preach at my home church. And, and how did, how did that develop? How did that change for you? Was it, it something that was, uh, you know, kind of, um, was it something that was kind of just like, oh, wow, that's my moment? Was it like a shock factor or was it just something gradual over time? Uh, I, I think it was a, a, a little bit over time because, you know, when I came there, well, I had, and I've literally, literally, we had 19 people there and then it dropped down to 16, then it dropped, then it went back up. And all of a sudden there's, there's people that I'm personally winning to God, or if I'm not winning them to God, there's people around that, you know, they're, they're praying through under our ministry and all of a sudden these are our children these are our babies these are these are the these are the people that that we've got in church and uh, and so man I've got I've got to be there to make sure that 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 my babies and my children my, my family uh you know that that we've prayed through to the holy ghost that they're going to be all right and uh I just I just developed a love and a relationship that is just uh you know I I've, I've just got to be there I just, I just want to be there for my church family I've never heard it discussed, but since we're kind of on the topic of some evangelism, going back to it for just a moment, how does an evangelist even get books? Is it all word of mouth? Is the, and not only that, but how do you even keep track of where all you're going? I, whenever I begin evangelizing, my uh, my pastor told me now, and and whenever I tell people this, they don't believe me, but it's the truth. It's the absolute one hundred percent truth. When I started evangelizing, my pastor told me, he says, don't call anybody. He said, if it's of God, you allow them to call you. Don't call anybody. Uh, he said, you can send out cards and let people know you're going to be in the area. Uh, you know, you can email, let people know you're going to be in the area, but don't call anybody and allow them or, or ask them if you can come preach. And uh, he says, don't ever do that. And I, and I never did except for one person. And, and I regretted it. That's, that's a horror story in itself. But, uh, uh, but I hardly ever send out, I would send out cards every now and then. But uh, for me personally, it was all by invitation. Uh, uh, everywhere that I went, I was invited to come to. I was invited to come there. I was invited to come and minister. I was invited to come and preach. As a matter of fact, the church where we, where we are, where we're pastoring, we were invited to come preach here. And we, were, we weren't looking to, for a pastor. We were invited to come be a pastor. And so uh, that's, that's one of the toughest things that young evangelists 
I, I, I can't get them to, to grasp that, you know, that, that uh, for me personally, is that you allow God to work it out and you allow the people to call you. Uh, I know of, I know of guys that, man, they'll, they'll get on the phone and let their fingers do the walking. And I'm not against that. If that's, if that's what they do, I'm not against it. I don't knock them for it. Uh, you know, I've had people call me and ask me if they could come preach, you know, since I'm a pastor and, uh, you know, I'll pray about it. And if I can, I work it out. If I can't, well, you know, we, we can't, but, uh, but for me personally, I just allowed, uh, the calls to come in for me and I allowed it to be a, a God thing. Absolutely. So let's talk about the fivefold ministry, uh, because okay. you've been a part of it. Um, so when an evangelist comes in, uh, I, I've heard the I've heard both sides of the story here, and I've I've seen both sides of the story with my um, father being a pastor and with my mother in law being an evangelist. I've seen both sides of it, mm-hmm. um, and now that you're living both sides of it or have lived both sides of it, let me ask your opinion on this. So whenever a, an evangelist comes in, it's almost like the church is depending on the evangelist to um, do extraordinary things. And then what some of the pastors, whenever I've been traveling, what some pastors may not understand is, you know, there is a, um, how can I word this perfectly? There is a bridge that has to be gapped um, by that pastor, you know, for the things to happen. Uh, you know, I feel like we as apostolics put so much uh, um, excitement and emphasis on the evangelist himself that once the evangelist is gone, um, he takes revival with him. It's gone. It's no longer at the church. You know, that guy has left. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the roles of an evangelist and what it does for your church and what it does for the saints? For, uh, I can only talk from personal experience, but uh, we are such a revival church. We, we have constantly, we have new guests and new visitors coming all the time. And, uh, and and so I emphasize to our church, uh, and this is our saying, this has become our motto, that revival is not coming, but revival is here. Uh, and, and, uh, and man, whenever somebody receives the Holy Ghost, I said, that's what I'm talking about. Revival is not coming. Revival is here. And uh, we had uh, a young man that's in our church that we, uh, uh, I, I think this might be his second sermon that he has ever preached in his life. And uh, he preached uh, Sunday, and I allowed him to minister. And I think he preached a total of 15 minutes, and I gave an altar call. And uh, we had three people uh, down at the altar uh, praying for the Holy Ghost. And uh, and I, I just emphasize again, again, revival's not coming, revival's here. So then whenever that evangelist does come, uh, and I don't just... Oh, I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound really stuck up here, and I don't mean that at all. But uh, I don't just allow just anybody uh, to to come and preach at our church. I want them to be uh, handpicked. Amen. I, I allow I want them to be handpicked by me or highly, highly, highly recommended from Tony or Brian before I allow anybody to come. And uh, uh, and then so whenever they whenever they do come before they ever get there, I'll tell man these folks can preach. These folks are gonna bring revival. And, uh, and so, so whenever they get there, we're not, that evangelist doesn't have to build up to a revival spirit because I've had to do that. And uh, you, I know uh, with the ministry that, that we've all done, we have to build that revival spirit 
My goal is to have that revival spirit already there. So whenever the evangelist gets there, all he or she has to do is just step into the revival and allow the Lord to move and work uh, in the way that he would. Absolutely. So um, I hate continually talking about, you know, personal things here. Um, but my, when my, my father passed away in November and he was the presbyter of section one in the Illinois district. And God had given him a vision of all the churches in, in the section will have new visitors and will have new saints. And it's going to be a number of 1000. The number kept coming to him to 1000, 1000. And, uh, you know, these pastors kind of grabbed onto that and they had this saying of one K anyway, any way that it can happen, God, we accept it. No matter what I have to do, if I have to spend money, if I have to spend my time, if I have to give all my efforts, God, I want to be ready for the revival you're going to send. And what can, in your opinion, what can the church do to, to be ready for that revival, Brother Roberts? Because like I said, we're living in very much so different times. What can we do as, as human beings to be ready for what God has for us? Because like, like we've already been talking about that transition for you of where you thought there's no chance that I'm going to do that. I love what I'm doing. But because you are so willing, you're now in, in the fruits of your labor that you did not want to work. Amen. Yeah. I, I, so, well, no, you, you have to have that that leadership to cast that vision like your dad did. I mean, your dad spoke that vision uh, into existence and uh, those great men uh, got a hold of that. And, uh, and it was a faith builder, you know, and, and, and he built the faith and they just got, and, and, I, and I know your dad really, really, really believed that or he never would have said that. Uh, and then uh, this, as this year began with us here in our church, uh, you know, the, the new year rolls around and we're running about 40, 50 people. And, and I said, well, I said, God spoke to me by the end of the year, we're going to be running 200 folks. And they all just, and well, not they, they didn't just look at me. They, they hallelujah, shouted, clapped, jumped on their feet. And, and, uh, folks running around the church, you know how we do praise God. And, uh, and, and you know, the next Sunday comes and there was a lot of people out sick and we down to 40, you know, and I'm like, I still believe we're going to hit 200 by the end of the year. And, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, and, and now we've started growing and growing and growing on an average Sunday, we will run between 60 and 70 people. And of course on Easter Sunday, we had, had 92. And, uh, and then this past Sunday we were, we were pushing about 65 and I counted, uh, and we had like, like eight or nine people that were, that were out. Uh, again, it's nothing that I've done. All I have done is I've just spoken the vision into existence. What I felt that God laid on my heart and the people uh, they've, they've gotten behind it. Whether they believe it or not, they've gotten behind it, but they do believe it. And it's the same thing that your, de- your dad did. He spoke that vision into existence and he lived it and breathed it. And those men got behind it. And uh, your leadership just has to believe. If the leadership doesn't believe it, then how, how can anybody else believe it? And this is, this is probably, Brian, heads up. This is probably where we get hate mail for the next comment that I'm about to say. <laughs> but you were, just, you were just talking about how... Um, you, you, you told your folks that you feel and you believe and you've got a vision that you'll be running 200. And you, you got that, amen, hallelujah, that shout, that lap around the church, and that feels great. But until we do something to further the kingdom, those are words. 
Exactly. Until we, until we work together for that common purpose, that those will, all that will ever be is words. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, man, I have been just as guilty as the next person. So I'm don't, don't think that I'm sitting here on some high horse saying, well, this is what I do. And that's what I do because we all have doubts about things. But until we can grasp onto the visions of our leaders and, and what God has given them, you know, we'll, we'll never be able to further the kingdom. I mean, I mean, we, we just won't, we're, 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 we're a generation that is content. And, you know, some of us, not me, but I'll say us just cause I don't want to single people out, but some of us was built for 2020. You know, you don't, people don't mind sitting at home. Oh. They don't mind, you know, yeah. being alone. They don't mind, you know, Oh sweet. I got furloughed. I'm going to sit at my house for the next three or four months, do nothing. You know, I, I'm built for this, but what does that do for our inner man? It absolutely destroys that person because we're not connected to that source, you know? And, and I mean, I, that's, that's encouraging to me that, uh, you know, that you're, you're going out there and sharing your vision with people because, you know, that can be a hard thing to do, especially whenever you've not seen that in, in your city or in your church, I mean, but it, it, we, we as followers of, of these leaders of these men in our lives that we we call pastor and, or bishop or something, if they if they give us these words, we have to, we can't just let them go try to do it by themselves because I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it's an impossible task. Amen. But uh, working together, man, that's that's a thing that uh, that's a thing that's very very difficult to do. I mean, especially if you don't share that burden. But you were telling us off the record uh, that you are getting ready to start your podcast. You you were doing some interviews and stuff and getting some pre-recordings and stuff. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on in the future. Uh, I'll tell you about the podcast, and I'll tell you why I did the podcast. Uh, Sister Jennifer Williams came and uh, ministered for us uh, uh, here in Joplin, Missouri. And, uh, man, I I don't know if you know who she is or, or, or not. Uh, she's one you need to have on your program, <laughs> praise the Lord. But uh, man, she was prophesying over everybody and all this other stuff. And then she came to me, and uh, you know, and she said, "I have a word for you, Pastor." And I said, "No, you don't. <laughs> you go, you go talk to somebody that needs needs something else done. I'm the I'm I'm the pastor. Don't don't be come, don't be prophesying to the pastor. You go prophesy to somebody else." And uh, and she said, "No, I got a word for you." I'm like, "Okay." And uh, uh, she, you know, and she starts telling me, you know, uh, uh, there, there's a number, you know, this is just a couple. She didn't know about the 200. She just said, there's a number that God has given you. He's going to grow the church. She said, just get ready because it's coming. And but, uh, and I said, well, praise God. And then she said, and she says, God is going to expand your influence, and uh, He is going to uh, expand your territory. And uh, and and you know, she says, so just get ready because the ministry is going to grow. And whenever she spoke that, I, I felt that the Holy Ghost began to move into me. And he said, he says, I will expand your territory and I will expand your influence, but you got to give me something to expand. And I'm like, oh, God, I, what, what have I got to, you know, what, what can I do to expand oh, anything? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and it came back to the man that had the talents, you know, the five talents, the the, the, the two talents and the one talent and, and God said you've you've put all these talents to the side you've got radio broadcasting uh, you've got studio work that you can do you've got all this stuff that you can do and he said 
Uh, he said, if you're going to do something, you got to, you know, you got to make something happen. You got to give me something to work with. Huh, okay, God. And, uh, and I prayed about it, of course. And the, the, the podcast was one of the things that I felt that the Lord leading to do. And um, the, the podcast that we're putting together is called Fivefold Voices. And we'll be doing sort of similar to what you guys are doing. Uh, ours will be a, a lot of video driven as well. But we'll, we'll be talking to, uh, we are talking to people that are, are ministers, pastors, evangelists, authors, singers, musicians, and, uh, you know, everyone from uh, 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 Brother, uh, you know, hopefully Brother Timothy Spell, we're still trying to get that nailed down, Sister Sharon McKee, uh, Brother Chad Erickson, Brother Carpenter, and, you know, just, just you know, just, oh, just trying, to trying to do what we can. all of our guests that we've had on? Actually, I've got your guest list, and I'm just going down your... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. So, uh, and, but, and, with, and with that being said, now you guys have got to come and be on our program once we get that up and going too. So, <laughs> sounds good to us. But so, God, God spoke that to somebody for you. You know, yeah. that's kind of the same situation that you know happened to us. Is you know, I'm here. I go showing my vulnerability in the apostolic doctrine when I say this, and here comes some more <laughs> angry listeners, but. I struggle with uh, prophecy. I struggle with prophets and I struggle with uh, um, people who speak things into my life because A, mm -hmm. I want it to be uh, from God. Right. Uh, B, I don't want just, just like you don't want any man you know, stepping behind the, your pulpit, I don't want just any person speaking into my life. I don't take people laying on of hands lightly. Uh, you right. can ask Brian, we've, we've had this conversation so many times, but I don't want just someone coming up to me and laying their hands on my forehead and speaking into my life. I'll, I'll pass. Thank you though. Uh, you know, but yeah. we had, we had just the exact same of your situation. Uh, me and my wife and Brian was with us and a couple of other people. We went and saw this, uh, this guy that had uh, the um, giftings and he, he spoke to me and said, you know, this was, I don't know what Brian, eight, nine years ago. He, he came to me and said, hey, you're, you have a voice that uh, tens of thousands of people will will hear. Wow. And I was like, OK, yeah, I don't know about none of this. You know, I already struggle with uh, with prophecies like, you know, when I, I don't know nothing about this. I, I'm just I work a, work at FedEx and I don't I don't preach and I don't do all this stuff. But, you know, I don't understand how that's going to work. And, you know, eight years down the road, we've got this podcast that's out that's you know, people are listening to, and, you know, so it's, it's something that, you know, I never thought would have happened. <laughs> and here we are almost two years down the road, Brian, we've got a little bit of a listenership and we got guests like Nathan Roberts coming on and sharing the same stories. So obviously yeah. um, podcasting is definitely the track of the future. You know, we don't, we don't stand on the corners handing out these paper pamphlets no more i mean if you do that's awesome congratulations you know we're just trying to uh um move forward with technology i guess you Amen. could say but well, i mean it's such it's such an encouraging thing that you know apostolics are ministering to apostolics without ever having a microphone in their hand i mean there, well there's two things there number one is that uh your pastor and my pastor included would have given anything if they could uh, take up the microphone and speak to 
uh, uh, tens of thousands of people the way that you guys are doing, which is which is phenomenal. You know, my pastor uh, had a radio broadcast. I know other pastors have radio broadcast, television broadcast, whatever, and they're not reaching near the amount of people that you guys are reaching, which is which is totally totally awesome. And then the second thing is is that, uh, and I get so frustrated. Uh, and, and here comes the hate mail, okay? Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to go, oh my God, Brother Nathan Roberts is going to hell. Hallelujah. Praise God. But uh, uh, but I'll come in at night and, and and I'm trying to relax and trying to let my mind unwind. And and uh, yes, bless God, I, I have a television. Oh, praise God. I'm AOJC. UPC, you can't have one. I got, I got one. Praise the Lord. But it's, <laughs> no, we voted on that. We can do that now. <laughs> it's legal now. Okay. <laughs> But you know you you have you have the news playing in the background or whatever is coming on and the commercials. But I'm not talking about the programs. I'm talking about the commercials, the language, and the stuff that comes on on the commercials. It's just I'm just like turn that stuff. I don't I don't even want to hear the commercials. So praise God for this presentation that you guys have that uh, that we're trying to do. With, you know, get the garbage off the off the off the television. And, and, you know we. We go. My, my my family and I will go uh, check into a hotel for a conference or for a night or whatever, and we never turn on the television. Now it's not that because we don't want to watch it. It's just that we'll pick up our phone or computer or whatever, and we'll watch YouTube. We'll listen to podcasts. We'll do everything, but because there's nothing really worth watching anymore. So praise God for for podcasts like you guys have. Absolutely. Well, it's something that we we both love doing, and uh, man. If if you guys are out there and you don't really know who Nathan Roberts is, here comes some more hate mail. The guy plays guitar on a cigar box. Tell me there's nothing more unapostolic than having a cigar box. I mean, at least use like a communion box or like something the wafers got shipped in. I mean, come on, bro. But yeah. uh, go to go to his Facebook. You do you do devotions early in the morning. Why do you do that? Oh my God! That's is that so early or what? I'm telling you, I hate that. Oh man, it's you, five thirty five. I, I said one, told him one time. I said it's five god awful early in the morning. You know, uh, the reason being, Brian works for post office. You'll understand this. Uh, I, I get up early in the morning uh, for prayer and and praying, trying to get my my prayer, my Bible study out of the way. And then I, I was up one morning. Uh, and praying, and God said, "You need to jump online and do a do a devotion." I'm like, "Lord God, it's it's 5:30 in the morning. Nobody's watching at 5:30." And uh, and 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 uh, and he said, "Yeah, get on now and do that." You know, of course, all that stuff comes back from the from the prophecy. You know, you got to expand your territory. So I just got on. Man, I was I looked horrible. You know, and I and I'm crying. You know how it is. You've been in the prayer room praying. Man, you you do. Oh, I just feel God directed me to get on here and you know and i know nobody's watching i said click 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 all this all these people just started coming where where do you bro where, where do you bro i'm like what are you doing at 5 30 in the morning no go back and it's uh it was just it was it's it's kind of like pastoring this church it's kind of like when i started evangelizing i i didn't intend to do those things i never intended to have a podcast that comes on at 5 30 in the morning have mercy but it's it's a it's just a God thing. Well, you guys never intended to do what you're doing, but but look what God is doing with it. Absolutely, Brian. I see you. You got something to say? <laughs> oh, I got something to say. I always have something to say. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, always how valuable what I have to say is, but I always have something to say. Um, <laughs> but actually, in this this instance, though, I actually have a question. 
So um, going back to uh, evangelism, what's some of your favorite stories from being on the road? Uh, obviously, you're seeing seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost is a, is is the, the favorite thing. Uh, uh, and man, I've got numerous numerous stories. One, one in particular, uh, I had been with uh, Sister Vicky Oliver, and uh, who is a tremendous. If you guys have not had her on, please get her on. Uh, uh, get this: the, the, we flew up to Madison, Wisconsin, to have her on, and she traveled out of state, forgot about us. Oh man, that sounds like her. <laughs> Yeah, you, now that's when you say, "Well, you're a prophetess. You should have known we were coming." You know, <laughs> praise God. But uh, she she does this thing. You know, with no, that's the reason why Tony struggles about prophets and stuff. He's been let down. <laughs> <by him. laughs> you know, Hallelujah. whenever Tony was talking about that evangelist earlier, you said he had a lot of giftings, and I was wondering if one of his giftings was flirting with girls online. Ooh, <laughs> oh, you're talking about the the the, the prophet or yeah. Tony? Yeah, no. The prophet, because <laughs> uh, he ain't with us no more. Ah, uh, so he was a single prophet. No, no, <laughs> no. He was. <laughs> well, that's even worse. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't ask who who it was then. <laughs> Hallelujah! That was a nervous laugh. I heard Brian do a nervous laugh there. That was a. Yeah, uh, I just started thinking. I was like, I maybe shouldn't have brought it up, but too late now. <laughs> All right, My, go ahead. So tell us about Vicky Oliver. No, no. Anyway, just real quickly, Vicky, Vicky Oliver taught me this uh, this thing about praying with kids in the altar. You go through these four steps. You know, uh, 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 close your eyes, uh, lift your hands, lift your face, then open your mouth and begin to talk. To, I'm, I'm giving you a really, really quick version of it, and uh, and so I'm like, I've got to use that. I've got. And she's yes, please use it. And so the first time I used that, uh, uh, I had this kid that was praying. And when I prayed with kids hundreds of times thousands of times and so i'm like i'm trying out this vicky oliver thing and i had this kid praying and you know close your eyes oh you know all you think about is jesus lift your hands your hand you're 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 lifting your hands as antennas and you're you know thinking of god and uh lift your face towards god because god loves to see you when you pray and i'm telling you i'm going to speak right now you're going to receive the holy ghost do you believe you're going to receive the holy ghost this little boy said yes i believe i'm going to receive the holy ghost i said god's going to give you the holy ghost right now said you open your mouth just begin to tell him that i love you begin to say i love you jesus i love you jesus and he was doing everything i was telling him and i said now when i lay hands on you you're going to receive the holy ghost are you ready i'm ready in the name of jesus and i laid hands on him and boom he began to speak in other tongues like, like like a wild Indian, if you would. And it scared him and me both. So it was it was an it was an awesome, awesome thing to see. I praise God for that. The 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 one of the funniest things that ever happened to me is as uh the snake that you oh. Hey, one second. just because you, you, you brought up the thing about the kid being shocked about about that event and, and I don't know why I just thought of this because this is on the totally other spectrum of that. But Tony, was it whenever Nathan Roberts came and preached to our church that the kid was in the bathroom that they had to break the demon out of? No, that was um, that was uh, brother and sister Goober. What was their names? Uh, the Plocks. Plock, brother and sister Plock. Man, they're some of my favorite okay. people. I can't even remember their names. Danny and Mary okay. Plock. Yeah, the great yeah. books. Okay, the I can't remember. The, the, the I sin out of me. Yeah. Well, All right, they, go ahead and tell they us about a, the funniest thing. I'm I, like very the, I like the devil in the bathroom part. That was pretty good. I was hoping right, that so, Tony would have just said yes to go with it. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. So here's here's that story, bro. So we we have to – and this shout-out to all the parents that are still listening right now because 
this 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 episode is fun to me <laughs> but uh this is one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed, Brother Roberts, when it comes to a, a child. But uh, we had a children's revival with Brother and Sister Plot. And uh, we, at the time, we were busting in, what, Brian, 140 kids, maybe 150 kids to church every Sunday. Wow. And we, uh, we, we were having this kids revival, and one of our, our boys that rode the bus uh, was just – you know, not interested at all. He did not want to be there. He was just, you know, laying over on the seats. When it was time to pray, he refused to go up to the front the whole time. Like the plocks were, and here's the thing. It's hard to go to church with the plocks and not have fun. Right. He, 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 he accomplished that. Uh, Well, anyway, he, when it's time for the altar call, sister plock, well, actually Kim brought him up to the front. He just sat on the steps of our, of our church at the front at the altar and sister plot came over to me and said, Hey, I want you to pray with that little boy. He's got strongholds. And I was like, well, okay, I'll do that. It's kind of awkward, but I'll do that. I went over and prayed with him for a couple of minutes and dude was just not interested at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I kind of walked away and did my own thing. You know how we do, if we don't get an instant reaction, we, our time is wasted. That's, I mean, that'll preach right there in itself, but come on somebody. <laughs> But uh, I walked away, and a couple of minutes later, Sister Plot came back up to me. You know, she knows me, and so she can talk to me this way, and she did. She came up to me and said, well, if you're not going to pray for him, go grab somebody who will. Go grab Kim or somebody. So I went and got Kim. I said, look, Sister Plot says that uh, this little boy, um, I won't say his name, but he's got strongholds in his life, and she wants somebody to pray with him. And so – Kim went over to him, got the exact same reaction as me. And so, uh, you know, just as me, Kim walked away after a few minutes. And then this little boy stood up and ran to the back of our church. And we we go to a larger building-sized church. You know, our building's pretty good size. And uh, he ran to the back and ran to the men's bathroom. Well, that kind of caught my, along with a couple of other men's attention, and we kind of follow him in there. And when we follow him in there, like he's hitting the walls, he's hitting the countertops. He's very, very, very angry. And uh, our pastor, he comes in and he says, such and such, do you, can we pray with you? Is it okay? And he's just got his hands clenched and tears running down his face. And uh, he just nods his head. Yes. And my pastor laid his hands on his forehead and began to pray for him and same reaction. And so he looked at all of us that was in the restroom. It was me, uh, three or four other men, and then my pastor. And he said, um, y'all get ready. This is, this is real. And uh, he looked at him and said, such and such, can I pray for you one last time? And God's going to deliver you. And he just continued to close his hands, and he just nodded his head yes. And with tears running down his face, my pastor laid his hands on him one last time and said, demons, I demand you to come out. And he no longer got or no longer did he get that out of his mouth. And this little boy instantly began to projectile vomit. Wow. Instantly. And, you know, all of a sudden his hands came back open, his eyes opened and he looked at me. He was he he knew me. Uh, he said, what what happened? Where am I? What's going on? And I just I told him I put my arm around. him. I said, it's it's OK. You know, it's it's. It's you just went through a little rough spell there. You must have not been feeling good or whatever. And, you know, the bus had already left at this point. So I, I was taking him home 
And he began to tell me there was a voice inside my head that told me not to participate, to not listen to this, to, to hurt myself. That's why I went in there. I wanted to just hurt myself. Mm-hmm. And so that just bothered me, bro, because he came from a place that we uh, as um, Americans that are this middle class, we take for granted because we don't know what he lives in his home life. You know, he comes from the worst part of our city, just the, the just the slums. And so, like, I kept thinking about that. And, you know, we went to dinner with the blocks and my pastor, me and my pastor was talking. And like, literally, this kid had no money. His family has no money. Just just really, really hurt, you know. And we got to talking and, you know, me, along with the other men that were in the church, we decided to send this little boy to camp, to kids camp at Arkansas District. And we sent him and on night one. We got a picture from Kim. The little boy received the Holy Ghost for the first time at church camp. And, you know, it was one of the most unique situations that I have ever been a part of in my entire life. And uh, that's that's the craziest demon in the bathroom story, bro. Wow. Wow. (laughs) You never know. You never know what can happen at a you never know what can happen at a children's revival. They can be (laughs) spiritual. They can be, uh, you know, a little bit spooky sometimes with that. Sometimes they can be hilarious. I, I don't know if you guys can see my my background, but this oh, is yeah. one of the funniest. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I, I can't remember who these children's evangelists were, but he was wearing this That's muscle Bruce suit. Bruce Borlick. Bruce Borlick, yeah. <laughs> oh, Bruce and man. Jamie. You guys yes. probably can't read it, but somebody at our church took a picture of it and said, Morton Buster did not at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> pumped up, pumped up. Because of, so because of I his muscle suit. Story. I want to hear your funniest story that you've had on the road before we wrap this thing up. Oh my gosh, there, there's so so many. Uh, the, the the one that I was I was starting to tell. I don't know if it's even the funniest one or not. But I was preaching for. I'll, I'll even tell you where I was at. Is in Baton Rouge. Just preached for Brother Robert Martin, and I had been there several times, and um, the. Uh, uh, the, the pastor's wife or the Martin's wife comes out and she says, uh, are you doing the snake thing? Are you going to do the snake thing tonight today? <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, well, I did that the last time that I was here. I said, I'm, I'm not going to do that this time. I said, I've got, I'm doing other stuff. She said, Oh, I really want you to do the snake thing. I said, I, thank you. And I'm unloading stuff. And brother Martin is there and is, you know, and she said, I really want you to do the snake. I said, I, I thank you. But, uh, but like, like I said, I did that the last time I was here. Everybody already knows what to expect. I'm not going to do it. Well, Brother Robert Martin, and you know Brother Martin, I, I think you do. Uh, I do, he, yes. Yeah, so so he uh, he said, he says, Renee, come, come here just a second. And so he pulls me up really close, and he said, let me explain something to you. I said, yes, sir. He said, I am the pastor. I said, yes, sir. <clears throat> he said, that's my wife. I said, yes, sir. He said, and she's asking you to do something uh, with your ministry tonight. I said, yes, sir. I, I do know. I understand that. He said, she really wants you to do that. I said, yes, sir. I know. He said, she also writes your check. <laughs> I said, what, what part of the service do you want me to do the snake in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it during offering. Yeah, yeah, you just tell me where you want it. So, uh, uh, so she had a guy picked out uh, to for me to to do the and and the you know the snake's name is Elvis and the, the time comes and so. So the, the, the deal is, is that 
Uh, I have cards laying on the table. You have to go pick up cards where the snake is, but don't worry about it. You're going to come bring the card back over here. We're going to hold it up and show it to everybody. And uh, I didn't know this, but this guy, I'm afraid of snakes, but this guy was deathly afraid of snakes. And so <laughs> whenever he goes, and this was, this was a grown man. This man was in his 30s, you know, and uh, I, I can't think of his name, but I mean, ball head, strong buff guy you know and he walks over and just as he reaches to pick up that card i hit the, the little trigger the remote but bummer yeah it's it's remote you know and the, and the snake comes out of that box that guy flat-footed jumped from where he was and landed all across all the way across the platform at my feet the whole church is up laughing screaming and whatever at this guy jumping and he jumps up and runs to the back of the church and, and it's about to run outside, and one of the ushers stopped him and wouldn't let him run outside. And, uh, you know, you've got 300 people there, you know, and they're just dying out laughing. And uh, I can't even continue. You know, I'm like, I, I, I want to give an altar go, But I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do from here. But it was, I mean, I've done that snake numerous times, but never, ever did I ever get that reaction. And, uh, oh, my gosh. Bro, so here's the thing. Here's something you don't know. Um so that was, that was your that was your brother? No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> no. So Eddie Gordon built me that exact same snake trick. Okay. <laughs> I've used it a few times myself. It's awesome, so. brother. It's awesome. <laughs> I have I, I, in Joplin, Missouri. There's a friend of mine here that's a magician. He has the same the same trick, and uh, we were on a show one night, and so I know the trick. I know it. I know what's going to happen. I know, and I'm sitting in the audience waiting for my turn to go on. And so I'm like, you guys watch this. This is going to be really cool. Watch this. So I know what's going to happen. And the second that snake came out, I jumped out of my skin. It scared the daylights. And I got so <laughs> mad because I'm, I'm like, I know what's happening. Why am I, you know, it's a great, Brian, it's a great trick. We, Brian, we Man. really need to be more prayerfully considerate about <laughs> who we invite on our podcast from now on. We can huh. tell we got an ALJC guy on here. We're hey, look out now. <laughs> We're talking about snakes. Yeah. You, know, he, uh, you know, he he inspired us because I think whenever he came is whenever we first did our flock and fritter bit. I Ooh, think so. Even, well, even we before it was to. named flock and fritter. We, we had to because, funny story, last thing we're going to talk about is Brother Roberts, when Kim called you to come to our church, Mm -hmm. She didn't clarify that she no longer went to the Blyville Church. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yes. Yeah, so me and Brian's up there doing our little comedy routine. And Kim's always, you got five minutes. You got seven minutes. You have to get done quick. And oh, so my gosh. we go up there, we do our thing. And Kim comes to us and says, Brother Robert's still in here. We have no idea where he's at. I, was at, their, time, I was at their house. <laughs> yes. I went to their house. And about that time, she goes, Hold on, he's calling me. And it's almost an hour he, away. It, no, it is an hour away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so she's like, "You got an hour. Do something." He's in Bible. <laughs> I don't even know oh. what we did. I don't know, but it. But I. We I, did I, like some games and something. But Tony and I were were dressed up as flock and fritter, which are like it's kind of like a uh, just like some preacher nerds kind of a bit and. Um, yeah. And, but after we, you came, we were asked to do some children's stuff because I guess we were a hit. And, I, was a, uh, I was a flop is what I was. <laughs> yeah. But you did this one bit where like you have like this 
pail and you throw a quarter up in the air. Sure. We did that same thing in Rector, and uh, and and the guy who was running the computer at the Rector Church was just kind of like, we didn't give him any music. We didn't know what we were doing. We're doing this bit, and Tony launches the quarter up in the air, and and all of a sudden the guy starts playing this really dramatic music, and Tony in slow motion is running across the platform to try and catch this quarter <laughs> that, that was thrown up in the air, and the music's just building and building and building. And then it perfectly hits the loud music as soon as he dropped the quarter in, and that church just, they lost it. They wow. It was the. Thanks for letting us know what it was, Brian. I'm going to I'm gonna change my whole bit now. That's awesome. Hey, I, no, I, I do no. remember this about being there uh, at your church because that, that first night, uh, you know, it takes me about 15, 20 minutes to hook all my stuff up to get my stage set and everything. I walked in and uh pastor uh, met me at the back door. He said, okay, we're glad you're here. And I walk in with my case and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, Nathan J. Roberts. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, and it was, and they handed me a mic and I was on. And I'm like, you know, and, and it, it, I had driven six hours to get there. So I was six hours driving. Uh, had to go to the bathroom really bad, <laughs> and and I walk and I, and I've already missed it, missed the hour, and 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 I got up in the first night. I remember that I get I did the first night, and uh, it was didn't have my music cooked up, didn't have anything set, and I was I was just trying to get through, and uh, and I got to my altar call, and I, I was you know I I pulled out every trick I could out of the book. I couldn't get anything to work that first night, and I'm like I was sweating bullets. And, uh, and, and I finally, I just went to, to sister Kim. I said, you know, and I had my mic there and I said, sister Kim, I said, I've blown it. I said, I, I, I am shot. I, you know, gave her all the excuses. And I said, I just, I just can't make anything happen. And she said, that's okay. She said, I, you know, and your father-in-law was still alive. And, uh, and, and she said, that's okay. She said, I'll, I'll take over if you don't mind. I said, I don't mind. And so she takes the mic. She goes, we want children to come give their lives to Jesus. Is there anybody? And all of a sudden, whoo, these kids just start coming. Oh my God. I just, I'm like, what in the world? If you would just lift your hands, Jesus. Will be, what is this woman doing? How could she do that? You know, I scream, oh. I roll on the floor. I throw babies up in the air. I pull snakes out of you and nothing. And she said, would you like to just give your life to God? I don't know what she's, her voice was just mesmerizing that night and she just she just had them eating out and I, and I went to her afterwards and I said I hate you I hate your guts I just want you to know that and brother yeah. Dave said he said me and you both we both hate her just so you know that. that's so funny like, that makes you know we were I'm just kidding you makes you do what I said that makes three of us <laughs> yeah no I we, I remember we went and ate at Candela's together all of us and yeah. and I don't even remember what happened. Like the waiter came by and said something, and and to, to, Tony or myself, I can't remember which one, but we said something we probably shouldn't have said to him as a joke, and and it it, it got brother, brother Robertson laughing, and <laughs> so brother Roberts is laughing. He goes, you know what? I figured I was gonna like you guys, and so <laughs> and so I feel like some of that same chemistry is here too. Uh, I, can, I I really wish I could remember what we had said, but you know. Uh, I had a really, I mean, uh, I had a little bit of a hurdle whenever you first came in because Tony before service had told me, was like, I cannot believe they booked this guy. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, this children's evangelist. 
do you not know who he is? I was like, no. He goes, dude, he's assembly of God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of weird. Evidently, Tony didn't know the difference between the assembly of God and the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's anyway, thanks for listening, is. everybody. <laughs> Oh man, I don't remember that at all. But anyway, hallelujah, <laughs> bro. So thanks for coming on. Help me, Holy Ghost. Uh, I wish I wish Go there, Lord. That we would have. I wish we would have went to Joplin, man. We would laugh until we cry. <laughs> oh my! But here's the thing. Yeah, we'll scrap all this, thing. and you guys come on down. It'll, you know, you're just you're just right across the state from us. Come on. There it is. Anyway, bro, you were talking about all that stuff not working. It was still one of my favorite kids revivals that's ever been at our church oh, yes. in Jonesboro. Oh, oh yes, it. definitely. One of the best times. And, you know, we can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, when is your podcast going to be out? Uh, it's going to probably the, the first week of May. And, uh, you know, we'll make Maybe it. we can get you on. Maybe we can get you on and talk about it again for a launch or something. But thanks for coming on. Thanks for everything you do for our generation, for the upcoming generation. And, uh, man, we, we wish you the best. Thank you so very much. I, I am extremely, extremely honored. And I just think it's so cool that yesterday I had uh, I was talking with uh, Brother Chad Erickson, and we were talking about you guys. And then today I'm on the, on the very program that he was talking about. Completely unplanned. We didn't exactly. know that you had talked with him. <laughs> but. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for being a good guy. Thanks for being a great friend. Thanks for it all, bro. Thanks so much. I'm <laughs> extremely honored. All right. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Crucial Conversation podcast. Oh, wait. That was your part, wasn't it, Brian? <laughs> it's all right. I just missed my cue. It, it's kind of like, I kind of feel like Brother Roberts, whenever he walked in our church and he didn't have any of the stuff ready. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, I'll see you guys later. <laughs>